to tell you a story. Um, so just, uh, just a couple months ago, I, um, uh, I, was, I flew into Los Angeles, LAX, and my oldest daughter, Grace, was with me. We have uh, my wife, Dawn, and I, we have three kids. Uh, we have Grace, Mercy, and Daniel. With those names, it's hard to yell at your kids. Um, so <laughs> we found a way, but no, <laughs> we, we didn't. <laughs> We have wonderful kids, but uh, Grace and I, and then a couple of others, uh, we were looking for an Uber. It was just too late. So we jump in a taxi and it was late at night and we, um, and I find myself getting out, just Grace and I, we dropped off the other people and here we are in a pretty dicey neighborhood of Los Angeles in the middle of the night, but I find myself uh, and I might seem outgoing and gregarious and everything, but it's the middle of the night, and I find myself uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically loudly praying for my taxi driver in the middle of the street. And this is not my usual thing. But not just praying like quietly, Lord, bless him. But I just remember, why am I doing this? But I was loud, and I remember blessing him and saying, I bless you in the name of Jesus, and I bless your family, and I bless your marriage. And, uh, and, and as I'm doing this, have you ever thought, why am I doing this, and why am I loud? And I'm expecting a neighbor to be, hey, put a lid on it, or something like that. And, but it was like that, that time when you're thinking, I don't care. And you see, um, he was, he's Bengali from Bangladesh, now, in missions around the world or here, Bangladesh is like the missions scrabble triple word value country. <laughs> Bangladesh is a country that's the geographic size of the state of Iowa, but has more people than all of Russia. Did you know this? This is a nation of, of many of the, the poorest of the poor, but also in missions. It's one of the hardest to reach nations. It's been very difficult. And yet right here in our country, God brings people from Bangladesh to, to this nation. And, uh, and so, um, and by the way, when we think about praying for nations, one of the easiest ways to pray for other countries, especially unreached nations, is every day as you're putting your clothes on, just look at the label or the tag of, the, uh, of your clothes and where they were made and pray for that country. And that's going to be one of the best ways to pray for people of, of nations, right? And so as I'm doing that, you find yourself praying for Bangladesh quite a bit. And, um, and so... Um, we're praying for him, and I just remember he's just going, oh, yes, God, yes, God, and as we're just blessing him loudly, and it was such a wonderful time. You know, I, I'm not a person that says I feel the presence of the Lord all the time, but sometimes you actually do sense the presence of the Lord, and this was one of those times. Let me roll it back. We get in the car at LAX, and I get in the car and there's not enough room for all of us in the back. And he's like, sit in the front. So I get the front seat. And, um, and I get in and I get into the car to an angry man. He's angry. And there's a, a broadcast going on on his phone in a South Asian language. And I don't know what it is. And it was Bengali, but he, he's, um, and he's angry. And he looks like he's angry at me too. And, um, and he's talking sternly. And it looks like he's talking sternly to me. 
And this is very unpleasant to the point where about 10 minutes into this ride, we are really thinking, I think I'm just gonna stop and say, would you stop the car? We're getting out. But it's the middle of the night and I'm thinking where where we're at right now, I don't think we wanna get out. I don't think this is gonna get any better if we do. And so uh, we'll keep going. It's so uncomfortable. It's so unpleasant. And then um, things calm down a little bit. It's quiet. And then somehow, I can't remember as we were talking a little bit, but I thought I'll just start asking questions. And somehow the name of Jesus enters into the conversation. And somehow then, as I just talk about Jesus, he asks a question back. And we start talking. And then he starts talking about his family. And, um, and then he, he mentions that one of his children is a special needs child. And I thought this is a place where we could really validate him on a tough journey. And one thing leads to another and leads to another. And the next thing you know, we're just talking about the love of God through Jesus Christ. And that's what then turns this whole conversation to a prayer in the middle of the street. You don't have to be a professional. I mean, he, my ordination never came up in the conversation. Like, wait a minute, are you ordained? Could I see your card, please? (laughs) Right? Those things don't come up in these conversations. And here's the point is, God loves people so much that he's gonna put you in their Uber. God loves people so much that he's gonna put you in their taxi. He's gonna bring them to you at the store that you work on or um, sit them next to you on the bus or at your workplace, because God loves people so much. This is us together in the mission of God. Do you believe it? So we're gonna talk about it more today, but I thought you'd love it because God just loves people so much. So when you thought, oh, here comes the missions guy, he's gonna talk about stuff far, far away. Yes, I will. But I wanna talk about stuff right here too. So uh, first of all, though, let's talk about one thing that really is on our hearts. Could we, talk, could we put the Ukraine flag up there? Um, one of the wonderful things about being a global mission and a global family, because Foursquare, we have around 100,000 churches around the world in 150 nations. But as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're also interdenomination. And what that means is we celebrate who we are as a family, but we're connected with other movements in the body of Christ and other organizations. And we're all interconnected and we're in on this together. And one thing though that I love in Foursquare is that our Ukrainian leaders, so we have Ukrainian churches in Ukraine. We have Russian churches in Russia. And those two national leaders issued a joint statement together that said flat out that we are together and asking for prayer in this situation because the kingdom of God and God's plans are bigger than any of this. And we're asking that you would pray with us together. And so that's the request here is would we join fervently in prayer and asking for God's divine help and breakthrough in this and asking for peace. And so that was their request for prayer. And when we have prayer calls, they're both on the calls together and saying, we will not let this divide us as churches. The verse that comes to mind is uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, as the Holy Spirit puts us together as the body, it says, the body of Christ. And in verse 26, it talks about the body and it says, when one member suffers, what happens? We all suffers. 
Uh, sometimes in the West or as Americans, we're built on a very individualistic uh, society and culture. Some of you that weren't born originally here, um, this is probably one of those culture clashes that you encounter here is that Americans can be very individualistic. Um, and this idea of the body, this is where we get to embrace this ideal that God set up, that we are together the body of Christ. And that when Ukraine suffers, we all suffer. It also says that when one member is honored or when one part of the body puts one in the win column, we all win together. Shared wins, shared suffering. And so uh, Foursquare Disaster Relief, Foursquare Missions, and the Foursquare Global Church, that we have churches in Europe, Ukraine, etc., that we all come together with other movements and that we're all in on this together to provide support for refugees, uh, housing and, um, and support all along the way, not just for our own church members, mind you. It's, it, this is for everybody. We're just doing what we can to work together to alleviate suffering and to provide help in any way that we can. But let me tell you that to be able to do things in the name of Jesus is so powerful. This is providing, uh, this is providing chaplaincy. This is providing um, uh, tangible demonstration assistance in the form of housing as well. So uh, your generosity, your prayers, your involvement, that's what changes the world. So I wanna say thank you. Um, I wanna put a verse up here, uh, Acts 1.8. So this is the key text that I wanted to, to look at today. The disciples, they'd ask a question about when, he's gonna come, when Jesus is going to come back. And, um, and he says before this that uh, no, one, no one knows the day or the hour, but he basically says, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Could I just remind everybody here for a second that there is no pastor's only edition of the Bible. <laughs> this is in your Bible. Because there is a mentality at times where it's like, well, the pastor does this stuff. A missionaries do this stuff. I, I have a job. I have uh, other things that I've got to do. This is in all of ours. In other words, God has promised to every one of us this verse, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses. Both in Jerusalem, where you're at right now, in Judea, culturally near, and ge uh, geographically near, culturally near. Samaria, geographically near, but culturally distant. And to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, Samaria, Jesus goes after this pretty regularly, doesn't he? Remember in uh, Luke chapter 9, 51, they're going through Samaria and the disciples are thinking, Jesus, why are we even going through Samaria? You know, we don't like these people. And uh, we're going through. And then we go up, they go up and knock on a door to see if they'll give them a place to stay. They get rejected. James and John called the sons of thunder for good reason, because they're like, Jesus, do you see what they did? They rejected you. They rejected us. Can we call thunder down on them? Can we call lightning down on them? And of course, Jesus is like, no, we don't, call, we don't do that anymore. We don't do those things. You get the idea that for, for the Jews of that time, Samaritans were the enemy. They were those people. 
And Jesus is always trying to build a bridge back, the woman at the well, the parable of the good Samaritan. Jesus is always making peace back to to racist challenges that they had in those days. And I will say this, that today we have Samaria as one of our greatest mission fields around us. Those that live around us from different cultures that we could reach out to. Bengali taxi drivers, if you will that God has brought right to us that are different from us and God's given you, ready? Power to be a witness. Um, Now I'd like to put another verse up here that might help us even more. Matthew 24, um, I'd like to start a little earlier in this uh, this chapter though to kind of lay up to this verse because this this is the not famous part of a famous passage. You see, it starts with the disciples having a question for Jesus. Jesus, we have a question for you. How many of you have ever said in your life, God, when I get to heaven, I've got some questions for you. How many of you have ever said that? Yes. I've said this. I thought, God, when I get to heaven, I got some questions for you. But you know what? I felt like God said to me back, that's good because when you get here, I got some questions for you. (laughs) And I thought, How about, we're good, no questions, God. (laughs) Let's call it even. But it was a legit question they had. They want to know when the end is. That's a fair question. When's the end? And that's when he says this famous passage. He says, well, there's going to be, remember, wars and rumors of war. Earthquakes in diverse places. And so we've heard people talk a lot about that, especially when there's lots of earthquakes. There's an increasing number of earthquakes. You've seen this, the end must be coming near. And look at all the wars that are going on. You know what the Bible says about the end times? It could be any day now with all the wars and with all the earthquakes going on. But this passage is actually after that. And it says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Let's stop there. Because of sin, because of sin, the love of many will grow cold. If I've experienced anything in the last couple years, I have watched a lot of love grow cold. And so my one encouragement from this passage is, is as time rolls on, it is very easy for the love of even believers and followers of Jesus. It's very easy to let our, our hearts go hard and our love to grow cold. You could have all the right answers, but your love can grow cold. I thought about in Revelation, uh, in, in the church of Ephesus in Revelation, where, uh, where he actually says, hey, you guys got all the right answers, just like Job's friends, you got all the right answers but you've, I've got this one thing against you. You let, you let your love go cold. I'm gonna take away your lampstand. The light you have is dimming out. In other words, you lose your love, you lose your lamp, you lose your light, you lose your influence. And now Ephesus is ruins. And so this is his first encouragement. And I feel like this is a relevant encouragement, not not just specifically to you, but I think to all of us collectively. Let's make sure, let's make sure that the, just that the love stays in our faith. Because when you got love, you do some amazing things with God. By the way, the Bible says love never fails. If you're ever afraid of failing, love never fails. 
but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So I'm here to say that I don't believe the end's coming anytime too soon because there are 3.1 billion people in the world that do not even have access to hear the name of Jesus today. Don't get me wrong, I would like many times the end to come, sometimes when I'm in traffic, um, but I'm only saying that, that according here, 3.1 billion people in our world it's not that they've rejected the gospel. It's they don't even have a chance to reject the gospel because nobody in their culture or language group is even there to tell them. Somebody from the outside will have to go in to tell them. And so this is the challenge of us taking this gospel to people in mission. But what's exciting about that is God in his great love for the nations oftentimes is bringing those people from other nations far away, and he's bringing them right here. So this is not the time to close the drapes because they might be moving into your cul-de-sac. But the other part of this beauty is it's not just all on America. I mean, our church movement, for example, in 150 nations, they all have Acts 1-8 in their Bible too, right? And so if you live in Papua New Guinea, the ends of the earth for us, and they got Acts 1-8 in their Bible. So if you're in Acts 1-8, uh, in Acts 1-8 in Papua New Guinea, where's the ends of the earth for you? It might be like Fife or Milton or something, right? I mean, <laughs> and so they're sending people also. So we're all on mission together. But the beauty of this is God might just send somebody across your path and ready for scary thought? You might be the closest representation to Jesus Christ, to the gospel that somebody will ever have in their entire life. Is that good news or scary news or both? <laughs> because God loves people so much. Well, I wanted to show you a couple of quick pics about what's happening around the world, um, just to let you know that there are some amazing things. Guys, we could tell you that there are some very hard things going on, but you're aware of that. So I wanted to show you a couple of glimpses of hope. First of all, I want to show you the Middle East. Uh, so um, in the nation of Turkey, this is the nation of the seven churches of, book, of the book of Revelation in your Bible. Um, this is a country that has been very hard to the gospel. Ever since the seven churches of the Re book of Revelation were kind of lost their lamps, um, it has been hard ever since. 80 million people, that's one fourth of the population of the United States. It's a very big country. And yet less than 15,000 Protestant believers in the whole country. I mean, seriously, that's, that's about like... Um, um, Federal Way and maybe Federal Way and one other town could probably knock that population out all alone for our whole country. But um, the number of church, and by the way, Foursquare is the largest Protestant movement in the whole country. Um, and they have doubled in size in the last four years. Many of those churches, they're Turkish speaking churches, but they're also many immigrant groups and groups of refugees that have come from Syria, from Iraq, because they've opened their doors to allow refugees to come in. 
Foursquare Disaster Relief, working with the churches and missions together with the Turkish church of taking them in. And now we have all these different language groups, many of which, if you're live streaming or recording, I don't mention out loud because these are restricted groups that you, ha- you just can't say into recordings. I hope that makes sense. So, but there's a bunch of names that end with Stan, for example, um, that, uh, that we just don't say, that now we have church movements in. We have groups that have, that actually, when they, uh, they dream about Jesus before they even know who Jesus is. Can I just mention something that you already know is true? Prayer does things that money and people can't do. This is why prayer is so important. This is why we always pray. And by the way, we even have a church in Antioch now, the city that's in your Bible. There haven't been a good church movement there in, oh, I don't know, a couple thousand years. So this is great news. Can I just say that God always flips the script when you think, oh, that's too far gone. There's no hope there. And guess what? There's hope there. Um, Speaking of no hope there, how about the Golden Triangle area? These are a couple of countries, one of which you can't even bring your Bible into. You can't even get in there. They don't allow churches. And then another one that's under military rule, another one that's really, really cracked down on churches and kicking out Christians. Uh, There's just a really, really tough area. But guess what? The gospel continues to flourish even in the middle of that. Show the next picture, would you? This is one of my favorite pictures ever. They dug a hole and put a plastic liner in there to make a baptismal. And, um, and so wouldn't that be fun to do in the parking lot here at Northwest? And, um, but can you imagine all the stories that go with that story? It just says so many things that everybody has a journey that brings them to that point. And then finally, uh, another one in DR Congo, uh, I love this because you know that 110 years ago, there was a, there, there was a, a, a consensus among secular scholars and a lot of Christians that said by the 1960s, Christianity would be eradicated from Africa when the colonial powers left the continent. And today, sub-Sahara Africa is two-thirds Christianity. Once again, God. Do you have people in your life that you go, it doesn't seem like there's any hope. People at work, doesn't seem like there's any hope. Can I just tell you, God has this way of flipping the script. Listen, it's not all perfect and easy in Africa. And now our Southern Africans are going up to the hard places in Northern Africa. And we're not abandoning the situation. What's cool though is they're the ones that are calling the shots and running point. And we're just saying, how do we help you? How do we partner with you guys? You guys run lead on this and we'll just support you guys and do what we can. Here's the big shift. The big shift is the ways that we've been doing things are not, they're not cutting it. We're gonna have to make some changes. It's gonna take the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Do you see the difference? Here's what I mean. It's going to take all of us on mission together, not just a few trained special people like, okay, we're going to support you. You go do this and make it happen. And the rest of us will be, will be here. It really is going to take all of us. But here's also something that's awesome is this is God's mission, not ours. So if we all are empowered by the Holy Spirit and we follow the leading of God's spirit, something amazing is going to happen. 
Thank you for praying fervently because without prayer, nothing happens. Unreached people groups are not unreached because we couldn't figure out how to fly an airplane to their, to their people group. They're unreached because of spiritual strongholds. They're unreached because something has kept them from the truth of the gospel. Thank you for your generous giving and thank you for your courageous going. I wanna say something else about prayer real quick. Just a, a little illustration that, um, that came to my heart when we lived in California a few years ago. Um, in 2005, we were living in California and there was a record rainfall this one year. And because we're not from California, um, we're originally from the Northwest, um, somebody said, you gotta get out in the desert this year in the record rainfall. You gotta go out in the desert because you're gonna see wildflowers that haven't been seen in 50 to 75 years. And, um, and so, okay, well, we'll go. And they were right. And uh, I mean, it was so beautiful out in the desert. And then we come to understand, which now makes logical sense, and here it is, is that the seeds of the wildflowers, they're down deep in that cracked, dry ground. But because no water has hit them for all these decades, the seeds are just sitting down there waiting for water. And then after all this time, when water finally hits them, it activates them. And I thought, that is so true about the word of God. It's down there. But you know those verses like in Isaiah where it says it doesn't return void? You remember that one? And I thought, oh, that's so true about those people in your life that you've been praying for them or, uh, or these people that you might encounter that maybe they're from another country and God's brought them here, but maybe at some point they've heard the word of God and they just need a little bit more water and something's gonna activate. And it just was a great word about prayer and about watering the gospel with somebody that you go, you know what? If the seeds are down there, maybe just a little watering is just gonna activate something. So I wanna encourage you with that. I'm gonna pray about that in just a minute when we, uh, when we close today. I wanna talk a little bit more though about, um, about just how this gospel gets out there. As we've talked about kind of around the world and really this need that we have to continue to support the global mission, I wanna bring it right back here to home where you live at. Um, I wanna show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I'm a pastor, so I'm allowed a lot of favorite verses in the Bible. Um, I get an extra allotment. Um, but Acts 8.8 8 is really one of my favorites. Let's show this one. Okay, so it's short and simple. Another reason it's favorite, um, but uh, Acts 8.8. 8. Look at this great verse. There was much rejoicing in that city. There's joy in the city. This is the heart of God. Why is there great rejoicing in the city? Well, we could rewind the tape a little bit and here's what we'd find. There has not been much reason to rejoice in this particular city. It's a city in Samaria. It's a city in Samaria that, um, uh, that Philip went to. Why did Philip go there? Well, Philip didn't wanna go there. Philip was waiting tables. Philip, in Acts chapter 6, is not a pastor, not an apostle. Philip's waiting tables. He's serving tables. At Northwest Church or here, he would be not up here. He would be back in the gym. And Philip, during a persecution, was pushed out. 
he was pushed out of federal way and he had to go to, in this case, he went to Samaria because of persecution. But when he went to Samaria because of persecution, he started preaching Christ and started praying for people that needed healing because of Acts 1.8, remember? He received power to be a witness in Samaria. Jesus told them that. So he's like, all right, <laughs> took the verse seriously, started praying for people and they got healed. And then people that were oppressed, he actually started praying for them and they got set free. So many people got healed and set free that everybody was like amazed at this. And that's when it says there was great joy in the city because of the work of Jesus Christ through what Philip did. Now, remember he promised that this good news was gonna go to Samaria and there's when it started to do it. The good news hadn't been there since Jesus came through years back. So there's this multitude, imagine Philip, multitude around, he's gotta be thinking, I gotta write a book about this. I gotta do like, get the scrolls out. Uh, this is so exciting, all these people around. And in the middle of that, it says an angel spoke to him and said, I want you to go out to the desert road. And I'm thinking, he's gotta be thinking, okay, that's cool that an angel spoke to me, but to go to the desert, <laughs> there's nobody out there. It's lonely, um, the, and, but he goes, he goes to the desert and in the desert, uh, and here's the verse, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. And so he goes out to the desert. There's nobody there. He's gotta be wondering, why am I out here? This was just going so great. This was killer back there in, in Samaria. <clears throat> but while he's out in the desert, he sees a chariot going by. And then the Lord says, go up to the chariot. And uh, he runs up to the chariot. And that's where he encounters the Ethiopian the treasurer from Ethiopia. He was returning from Jerusalem where he went to worship and <clears throat> he was returning back home. And that's where this divine encounter happens. He gets into the chariot and he asks the uh, Ethiopian do you, with a, a great a question, do you understand what you're reading? And that encounter leads to the Ethiopian receiving the gospel, being baptized, receiving Jesus, being baptized on the spot. <clears throat> What's interesting about that encounter is, <clears throat> excuse me, that's when, that's when the nation of Ethiopia claims to have received the gospel of Jesus. In other words, the Bible says that uh, this gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. This is where it happened. But can I remind you once again, it happened through somebody who wasn't an apostle, wasn't a pastor. It was the guy that was waiting on tables. The beauty of this is this story includes you. It says, how could God fill me with the Holy Spirit and use me at my school, in the bus that I ride, at the grocery store that I work at or that I shop at? The beauty of this is to get the gospel to everybody in the world. All it simply involves is every one of us saying, God, I'm available. Would you use me however you would use me? Fill me with the Holy Spirit and I'm just saying, I just wanna be activated, I'm ready. And I think most of us are, are already doing this in some way, but we're just saying, I'm, I'm ready for this. Now, some of us, yes, we might move overseas and say, I'll move overseas to do something. But 
really, it's right here where we're at. This is Philip's story. So um, I love how Philip got into the chariot. By the way, could you imagine the socioeconomic barriers that he crossed to do this? The treasurer of a whole country. <laughs> and this is a guy like walking in his sandals across the desert. Uh, I mean, there had to have been, that's just like this huge socioeconomic gap that he would have uh, faced. When I speak with uh, Hispanic churches, this is one of my favorite messages to say to them, is to say, this is your chance. Get up into the chariot. <laughs> um, but I actually have a few tips for... Uh, <clears throat> Um, divine Uber chariot rides, because I love riding in Ubers, and I love, I love all the ministry that can happen when you ride in an Uber or in a taxi. So I put some tips together for you. Is that okay? All right, so let's spice this up a little bit. Um, first of all, when you ride in an Uber or a chariot or a taxi, uh, first of all, could you remember that you are a guest in their chariot? Now, this sounds pretty obvious, but there is something that happens in our mind when we are paying money to ride in somebody else's chariot that we think that we own them for that ride. Does that make sense? I'm paying money, so I own you means I get to tell you what to do and I get to direct our conversation. And maybe that's true, but it goes way better if you don't do that. It goes way better if you remember and you ask for things or if you remember that you're the guest in their vehicle. And, uh, and so I would say this is just the posture that you enter this conversation or even this restaurant, but in this case, it's the chariot. Uh, second one, don't assume anything. <laughs> Instead, ask and then listen. And if you do lots of listening, this goes way better. And when I say don't assume anything, if they have an accent, don't assume that they're from another country. So what I do instead, if, instead of saying, so what, you know, uh, what country are you from? And then they say, Tacoma <laughs> you know, or something like that. <laughs> well, okay, you do need a visa sometimes to get in Tacoma. I get it, but no. <clears throat> instead of that, I might say things like, hey, um, are, you, um, are you from here originally? And then let them tell me the story. And they'll say, no, I'm, I'm from Croatia. Uh, or I'm from... In, and let them talk because somebody's journey is very important to them. And so I let them tell their story. And if I'm sincerely interested, you know what? Sometimes I'm tired and maybe I don't want to talk that time. I'm just saying, if you want to just talk to somebody, this is just ask questions. Um, listen about their journey and don't assume anything. And then number three, <clears throat> let the Holy Spirit lead you. I don't have a script for everything. I just want to let the Holy Spirit lead me. Sometimes I feel like, you know what? Maybe I want to pray today for them. Maybe I feel like the Spirit's saying, just ask if you could pray for them. Maybe sometimes I'm just going to listen today. It's all about planting and watering, and I just don't know. So I'm not driven by this. Before you get out of the car, you got to make sure you give them the rules, give them the steps. I don't, I don't have that in me. I just have this simple sense of, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? And you know what? It's, it, that way I don't, I don't have that pressure on me. And I found that I'm way more fruitful and effective when I'm like, God, God is in charge here. Is that, is that okay? And so, and I have a pleasant ride. Can I tell you just a couple of rides ago? True story is <clears throat> we're talking and at the end of the ride, the Uber driver said, he goes, um, would it be okay if we drove around a little bit more? Um, <laughs> I was like, Uber driver asked if we could just drive around the block a couple more times to keep talking. <laughs> 
And, um, um, you know what, it doesn't always work that way, but I guess just my, my point here is, is if you could be the light of Christ in somebody's life in what you do, it starts with just the love of Christ and then just you being a person. If, sometimes you don't have time to do that, but sometimes you do. And then finally, 3B, you should tip really well. If you mention the name of Jesus, make sure you tip. <laughs> and everybody in the service industry said, amen. <laughs> All right, say, um, as, I, as I wrap up, uh, since I've, um, I've been a missionary and I've lived around missionaries a lot, I did wanna give you four life hacks uh, that you could learn from missionaries about just this life that we've talked about, this adventurous life. So I'm gonna leave you with four life hacks uh, really quickly before we pray. <clears throat> so um, here they are. So a first life hack, and you can just uh, take a picture of the screen if you want. Um, so first life hack is this one, and really from today's notes. Follow Jesus over your head and out of your league. I hope this stands the reason. I hope this is obvious. That if you say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you, where in the world do you think Jesus is gonna lead you? <laughs> do you really think Jesus is gonna lead you someplace where you're less dependent on Jesus? <laughs> here you go, follow me here, now you don't need me as much. <laughs> if you follow Jesus, the leading of the Spirit, you're gonna go someplace where you're going to really need Jesus. And then that way, everybody's gonna see that, wow, God really came through for you over your head and out of your league. By the way, this is where the good stuff happens. This is where the miracles happen. The next one. Allow God's Holy Spirit to empower you to be a witness. This is Acts 1-8 that we talked about. This is asking God, would you please empower me? I'll talk about this one and we pray for you, but None of this is because you're so talented or gifted, by the way. Any Uber stories or any ministry stories that I have, Pastor Ben or anybody on the team has here, they're not because, well, it's because you just got the gift. We, there are gifts. But this, this is God's stuff here. This is empowerment. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the same spirit lives in you, Romans 8, 11 says. This is accessible to all of us. And then number three, live a life like it's not your own in a world, not your home. Jesus tells us this so many times. This world is not your home, but it's really hard to remember that sometimes, isn't it? I know when, um, when Don and I are from the Northwest, but when we first moved to California, it's expensive and it was expensive in California. <laughs> So we lived in a place that was fit within our means. And then Don grocery shopped in the rich neighborhood. Um, and so, so she's over grocery shopping in the wealthy neighborhood. <clears throat> and, um, and so our minivans parked there. And then right next to her, as she's coming out of the grocery store, this big white convertible Cadillac Eldorado pulls in next to her. You remember those with the eight foot long passenger doors? <laughs> it pulls in next to her. And then that door, driver's door swings open and just goes bam, right into the side of our minivan. <laughs> and so she goes across the parking lot and there's an elderly gentleman <clears throat> in, uh, in the driver's seat and he's embarrassed and he's just shaking his head. He's got his head in his hands. He's just shaking his head in um, embarrassment. 
My wife comes up over there and she's just scraping paint off the side of our minivan from his door and scraping it off there. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about this. And she goes, she goes, you know what? It's okay. You can't take this stuff with you. And he looks at her and he goes like this. He goes, you're not from here, are you? <laughs> I love the story though, because shouldn't every one of us hear that every once in a while? <clears throat> shouldn't every once, and once in a while we should hear, wait a minute, where are you from forgiving those people for that? Where are you from loving those people? Don't you know who they are? Don't you know? Don't you get it? This is not our home. Our lives are not our own. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. Our citizenship is not here. And then finally, <clears throat> you weren't meant, meant to do this alone. Meant to do it with others. Would you stand to your feet as we pray? I wanna pray for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Maybe when you're thinking of that infilling of the Spirit, you're thinking, hey, I already checked that box a long time ago. Well, I just pray for a fresh wind of the Spirit just to put some more uh, wind in your sails and just be a great infilling today to empower you, but also a leading and a guiding of the Spirit on your life that just wherever you go in mission, if you're praying about moving overseas or you're praying about move, just about ministering across the street to your new neighbors, whatever it is in between, that God would lead you, your life would be characterized by divine appointments everywhere you go. And then finally about those wildflower seeds that are down in there, all around you, there are people that got those seeds just buried down deep in there. And as you go around watering those seeds through prayer or just through some words of blessing, amazing things are gonna happen. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would just blow across this place today, that you'd shake this place and that uh, the Holy Spirit, that you would uh, fill us afresh you said you'd give us power to be witnesses. <clears throat> we don't want to rely on our own abilities, <clears throat> not just on our own human giftedness. We're asking for supernatural giftedness. We're asking for the divine power of the Spirit to help us to do things that we can't do on our own. And so would you fill us? Would you indwell us? Would you baptize us? Some of us, for the very first time, baptize us in the spirit, we pray today. Would you ignite us? Would you guide us and lead us? Even now, as we're thinking about this, even putting people, uh, their, their picture in our mind about people that we could just <clears throat> maybe walk across the street to or think about people that ride our bus or that come to our workplace, that maybe we could just even just speak a kind word of blessing just to start things rolling. Um, but would you lead us and guide us in this mission of God that we're a part of? And then also lead us in prayer, just with those wildflower seeds. They're down in there. They just need some water. And so would you lead us in prayer, lead us in how we water and bless everyone as you love people so much. Love those right around us and love those far away things that we could do to, uh, alone on our personal mission, but those that we could only do help if we did something together. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church. Thank you.